0: Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So, without further ado, here is the odd man. Greetings and salutations. It's Audley Stevenson back for another edition of the audacious living podcast. Uh, Hey, this is the most audacious podcast on the web, and it's always a pleasure to be here as we continue our goal of helping you live your best audacious life ever. Uh, of course our social media channels are just one of the great ways that you can connect with us. I would encourage our listeners to do so you can like, follow, share Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook also on youtube you can subscribe to our youtube channel as well now we've got another big episode of the podcast on deck here and it's coming your way Uh, we're welcoming basketball hall of famer and olympian nancy lieberman today's show And if you're not familiar with Nancy, you need to know and understand that she's an absolute trailblazer in the sport of basketball. Uh, She's done so much to advance women's basketball specifically. Uh, And and it's it's been a lot. And you look at where it is today. We know there's a lot more that needs to be done from an equity standpoint. But she certainly has been a key figure in uh, getting the ball rolling. And that pun was totally intended, by the way. Um, Nancy Lieberman is just, uh, you know, she, she she's she's an outstanding individual. Uh, she has the distinction of being actually the first woman to ever coach a men's basketball team. And that's that's really paved the way for other women who are interested in doing doing the same. They now can look to her as a real life, vivid example. I think of someone like Becky Han with the San, San Antonio Spurs as an example of someone who's paving that way. Another fascinating aspect of Nancy's amazing story is her 40 year friendship with boxing legend Muhammad Ali. You know, they met when she was just a teenager and it continued right up to his passing in 2016. And, you know, when you're talking to Nancy, she'll tell you she had all kinds of shortcomings and despite whatever she thought her shortcomings were at that time, Allie saw something in her that was special and he developed it. Being able to positively impact someone's life and the way that changes their trajectory is profound. You know, one of my firm beliefs has always been just that we each have the opportunity to positively impact those around us through our actions, whether they be direct or indirect, we can make a difference to people in our circle, or even outside of that, for that matter. In the case of Nancy and Ali, you know, their relationship was special and that relationship forever will be an integral part of Nancy's overall story. So um, really, really, really was great uh, hearing from Nancy herself and and all the wonderful things or ups and downs that she had gone through, certainly a lot more ups and downs. And so with that. I would say it's time to hear from Nancy directly, so I'm going to stop talking, and uh, again, here's Hall of Famer and Olympian, Nancy Lieberman. Known in basketball circles as Lady Magic, Hall of Fame and Olympic medalist, Nancy Lieberman has the distinction of being the first woman to ever coach an immense men's professional league. The Brooklyn native attributes much of her on-court success to lessons learned as a child playing basketball at Rucker Park in New York City. Another key to her development was the 40-year friendship she had with the late great Muhammad Ali. The brash and bold former heavyweight champ took Nancy under his wing at an early age and taught her about life, philanthropy, competition and racism. Nancy shares her Incredible basketball journey coming up next on the Audacious Living Podcast. Here we are on the Audacious Living Podcast, and it's an absolute pleasure to be joined. Uh, they, they call her Lady Magic; she's a Hall of Famer. Uh, all kinds of great things and accolades uh, attributed to her career. Nancy Lieber, Nancy, how are you?
1: I am wonderful. I want to say hi to all my friends in Canada. I just love that country; it's pretty awesome. Congrats on the Raptors ring; it's pretty cool.
0: Very cool. I tell you, the buzz out of uh was phenomenal, and it's great to be a part of. So yeah, thank. But they didn't give you. They didn't give you a ring. I did not. What? I, I,
1: I'm I gonna call Drake right now. and get that fixed. <laughs> you got him on Speed Dial, you? <laughs> um, not Speed Dial, but I got him.
0: Got you, got you. Well, yeah, hey, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Thank you in advance. <laughs> thank you. Listen, I, I wanted to spend some sort time of talking to you today about just what look and reflect on your career, and, and you've lived it with such a, a boldness and audacity that um, has uh, really broken barriers. And 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 you know, quite frankly, you know, you happen to have can't. He's like can do sort of attitude. I wonder if you started to talk, Nancy. Where did that start for you? How did you develop?
1: Well, for me, I didn't uh, think about being audacious, uh, but I did know that I needed sports because I was growing up in New York City in Queens, I was born in Brooklyn. And, you know, we just like others, everybody has something. Well, I, you know, I didn't have a dad. I didn't, We were one grandparent away from food stamps. Uh, we just didn't have things that a lot of other people had. And, you know, I'm a girl from the sixties uh, and seventies. So there was no WNBA. There was no title IX. There were no scholarships. Right. Uh, we didn't have what women have today. So, you know, I think I fell under the labels of you're a tomboy. You're never going to make anything of yourself. Why are you playing with black kids in the schoolyard? You know, Ms. Liebman, what's wrong with your daughter? And I got tired of being profiled and labeled and called names. And I think for me, um, sports became kind of that equalizer, because when somebody would say, OK, we'll take her. It was like almost saying you love me and you cared about me or you respected me. And I just, I felt like it was my way. It, it brought me joy and happiness. Right. And it built my, comp- my confidence and my self, self-esteem and decision-making. And so I started playing football. Uh, that was my first you know, contact football yeah. Yeah. at eight, nine years old. And then I started playing baseball. And then I landed at 10 on basketball. And all of it and all of those people changed my life.
0: I've heard you talk about about, uh, not being the victim or rather the victor, based on just sort of your challenges in the past. Or you can expand on that a bit more because I think that feeds very much into what we're talking about here.
1: I think sometimes when things don't go our way and you're feeling bad about something, it's it's okay to emote um, how you're feeling. There's nothing wrong with that. And everybody has their own way. I kind of went inward uh, for myself And some people, you know, they just put everything out for people to see and neither is right or neither is wrong. But for me, the most important thing was I needed, I needed to be who I was supposed to be and not allow people to define me. And uh, sports really helped me uh, strengthen that resolve. But I can tell you, um, I was fraudulent. You know, I was a little bit full of, Crap and hid behind being the outstanding basketball player, but when you get into the streets of New York and you get into Rucker Park and you get into Harlem, and you know you're you don't have time to be a victim. Right. And when I say I wasn't a victim, I was a victor because every one of those instances, every one of those challenges, allowed me to be bigger, stronger, bolder, and it helped my belief system. So while other people were looking, well, you know, he got by her or, or you know, this guy shot over her or she got dunked on. Right, right. Okay, when I play against girls, you're not gonna do that to me. These guys were taking me up with them. And, and you know, um, we all should have that mentality, lift when you rise, take somebody else with you. Gotcha. And they took me to another level because of the physicality of the game and how I had to see the game. So I'm really uh, indebted to my friends uh, in the parks at at Rucker Park. And it just gave me a mental attitude of how I wanted to play. And really it wasn't until, you know, um, I fell in love with Muhammad Ali at 10 Mm -hmm. that that's when the audacity, like, you know, he would, I I beat Joe Frazier. I beat, you know, George Foreman. I beat Sonny Liston back in 1964. I'm the greatest of all times. Yeah. I was just like mesmerized by his brashness and his confidence. And I just tried to take a lot of his qualities um, and read as much as I could about Ali. And that really, he, you know, he didn't know he was affecting the Black heavyweight champion in the world, had no clue he was affecting uh, a 10, 11, 12 year old, a right. white Jewish kid from Queens. He had no
0: clue. And you <laughs> hadn't met him at this point either, too, right? You hadn't. Oh. Right. So there we go. Wow.
1: But you know, just how he handled himself inspired me to try out for that U.S. team in 1974, right. and to make the 75 Pan Am teams as a junior in high school, and to make the Olympic team in Montreal. That's why I love Montreal. I love Canada. Right. And, you know, I was 17 when I got to Montreal, and 18 when we medaled, and to still be the youngest Olympic basketball player for the right. United States uh, ever. And you know, one of my dear friends and college teammates at Old Dominion is Chris Cretelli who is just a legend in Canadian basketball. And you know, just being able to play against her in the Olympics and then be teammates in college and win championships, but Ali really set the uh, set the table for me. And then I get a scholarship to college, which I would have never been able to go to school without a scholarship. And meeting him and just aura of the I couldn't even breathe. I was in the room with him. And I was like, I can't believe this is Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah. And my mom is just hanging on him and oh Mr. Muhammad, my daughter, my daughter Nancy, she's the greatest of all times. <laughs> and he goes, listen, lady, there's only one greatest of all times. It's me. And he called me over. And I guess there, as they say, the rest is history. He knew I needed him, he was amazing, and he put his wing on me and said, there'll never be a day that I'm not in your life, and I was like, "But you're Muhammad Ali, and I was only 19 or so at the time, and he says, Nancy, God made you special, and I believe this was the, the moment that Muhammad Ali knew he had to be in my life, when I came back and went, you know God, too? You know everybody. That's amazing. <laughs> he just was like, "Oh <laughs> look, I got to help this girl." They got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, it's not over. And you know, he was just so kind, and he taught me so much about competition, about yeah. philanthropy, about racism, and I, I had no clue he was tutoring me for the for the future. Right. And you know, I had from 1979 until we buried him almost. Five years ago, June, you know, coming up in June, to have this man in my life, to to have him show up in a very uh, big and present way right. was so impactful for me. You know, I remember when I got my coaching job in the, WM, in the NBA in, in 2015, yep. the second person I called were the Ali's. Wow. And I was like, Lonnie, Lonnie, where's Muhammad? And she goes, hang on, baby, I'm going to put him on speaker. And I said, You're not, how did you know I was going to coach in the league before I was in the league? I said, I just got hired by the Sacramento Kings. And she told me, she goes, he's acting like he's shooting. And I'm like, You can't shoot. <laughs> we we always had this like playful relationship. Sure. Sure. My first game in November mm-hmm. uh, of 2015, Ali came to the game and sat in the box behind. And you know, my players are like, the champ is here. And somebody goes, What's he doing here? And one of them goes, "Oh, that's that's Coach's friend."
0: Yeah, that's kind of cool. So that's
1: street cred, right?
0: I mean, <laughs> absolutely love and love. Absolutely, absolutely. And he was
1: great. He took pictures with everybody, and I'm just grateful for for his direction in my life. And now, subsequently, I have been able to be an influencer and to give back. Yep. The way Ali gave to me, it
0: mm-hmm.
1: seems easy. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I, I love the fact that he was able to identify sort of the greatness in you before we saw it ourselves, and oftentimes that is the case where the people around us can see what we have in us, and we just haven't unearthed it yet. So the fact that he was able to identify that in you is just just phenomenal.
1: That's what he was. Um, it's a it's even a privilege, and I've said it many many times to sit in this uh, podcast and tell you about you know my forty years with Muhammad Ali, and just to just be loved and cared for by he and Lonnie and the family and be asked to do things or come to the house. I don't think there was ever a time that Lonnie or Muhammad asked me to come to Phoenix. I would get on the next plane. That's how much I love this man.
0: Mm. Beautiful relationship, wonderful. Yeah. And I, I can see it's, it's been impactful. And again, the way that you've taken that and, and helped others just, just from the whole giving back, right? So. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, really. Oh, didn't
1: he? Didn't Muhammad say service to others is the rent you pay for your time here on Earth? What can I do for you? How can I help you? I don't want anything in return. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to continue to make him proud of me. Got
0: gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. Uh, speaking of proud, I'm, I'm sure you must be proud of uh, you know Becky Ham when you look at what she's done with her career thus far. You know, once upon a time you were. Uh, the first female to uh, coach an, an NBA level team. And now uh, Becky's come up and now she's really on the, on the cusp of some greatness. What if you can sort of talk about that and what you see in her?
1: Well, I've known Becky since she was in college and to see her come as undrafted free agent to the New York Liberty and not to allow obstacles to be put in her way. And there were obstacles in her way. And all she's done, she's, she's a brilliant person. She's a, a great person. And she has just a beautiful personality. And to see the opportunities that ac has been given, but she's earned. Right. I mean, Pop is no joke. If he didn't think you were working hard, if, if he doesn't think you're deserving of that situation, he won't just do it for do it. You know, he just won't do it that way. Um, you know, I think Becky will make a great coach when, when they call her to the first chair she's worked really hard she's been mentored by the best right and she's an overachiever so she'll do everything possible for her team to succeed so i'm, I'm really excited and i love her and i'm really proud of her
0: so when when you when, when you i guess that when you look at her situation reflect back on your own and wonder if you sort of talk about what well, that experience was for you when you were sort of in a similar situation
1: well, you know, Becky and I've been, like I said, friends for a long time. So, you know, we've talked about a lot of things over time. Uh, we've vacationed. We've had a lot of fun. Um, you know, uh, you, you glean information from everybody along the way. Um, you know, look, I'm I'm as proud for Nick Nurse as I am for for Becky. You know, Nick and I coached together in the the D League. You know, it's a G League now, and we're great friends and he was very instrumental. Uh, a lot of the guys in the league were instrumental, Darvin Ham and Chris Finch and you know Eric Musselman. There are a lot of guys uh, who helped me and mentored me while they were trying to beat me. But Nick Nurse is exceptional. He's a great teacher. He's, he's born to win wherever he's coached. So I, I'm happy that good people get great opportunities and then take advantage of it and become great role models.
0: And, and again, Nancy, I think they've seen something in you. And so it's not as if you were handed it you. You obviously put in the time you work for it, and it wasn't just because you're know you a woman or they're trying to uh, make headlines by saying they, they, this you know, big, remarkable thing. You earned it, right? All the way through. Well,
1: I don't cheat the system. I've never cheated the system. I'm a grinder. When it's all said and done, you take away, well, she's this, or she's a hall of famer or Olympian or this. That's for everybody else. I'm, I'm TJ's mother. And I go out every day to be better today than I was yesterday. Uh, tonight uh, I have the Thunder uh, Timberwolves game. I want to be the best studio team in the NBA tonight. That's how I approach things. I have that I have that Mamba mentality, or as Kobe used to always call me, the Mama Mamba. And uh, that's the only way I think is there's there's fellowship, but there's competitiveness, and when you lose the dog in you, you lose that competitiveness in you. It's time to get like a lazy boy and a clicker, and just enjoy what, what other people are doing. And whether it's coaching, you know, for Ice Cube and the Big Three, or doing TV right now, you know, for the Thunder and the Pelicans, this means something to me because they're entrusting me. I have one of thirty jobs in the NBA. And they're entrusting me not only to do a good job, but to point out things that maybe people don't know or haven't seen, and and I love that. I love to teach and I love to educate, and I I actually love the game. I still love the game after all these years. I'm in that love story of basketball is is real.
0: Amazing, amazing. You touched on Ice Cube's Big Three League and you know small world. You know my spare time. Uh, I'm the uh, Deputy Commissioner of the National Basketball League of Canada, and lo and behold, uh, big baby Glenn Davis spent some time uh, playing in our league, and of course you coached him in the big three when you won a championship. Uh, talk about that experience, like again, you know, you're the first female coming into a brand new league, a fairly new league, that is, is, is looking to make a big splash, and you do it in a real, in a real big way.
1: Well, I can remember when, you know, I I got the phone call, maybe 2018, I was watching the NCAA uh, tournament, and I was clicking back and forth between the games and um, straight out of Compton. Mm -hmm. And it's it's crazy. And then, you know, I get a phone call, and we start talking, and it's Ice Cube. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I didn't know why it was calling me. I was just so happy.
0: Yeah.
1: So with that said, you know, it was like, look, we're you know, I'm pretty much what he's saying. I'm about diversity. I'm about equality and, and inclusion. And my roster doesn't have that right now. He says, you know, we'd really love for you to be a head coach in our league. And, you know, I, I remember asking Ice Cube, I said, are you just trying to check a box? I mean, you, you know, we're all minorities here. Are you trying to check a box? Why do you want me? I said, tell me the reasons you really want me. And he says, he calls me NL, he goes, NL, I think you can win. I said, done, I, that's what I wanted to hear that you think I can compete with our team. And with that, I mean, we were, we were signed, you know, five days later, ready to roll. Right. So when you have Glenn, Big, Big Baby Davis and Birdman and Katino T- Mobley, Corey Maggette, uh Quentin Richardson, Xavier Silas, there's a lot of talent in that league. So I flew out to LA and wanted, actually, it before it was the Mamba uh, uh, Mamba Academy, okay. I think it was like a LA fitness type of uh, facility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got my guys and I, I try to set the tone with them. This is what we're gonna do. This is why we're gonna do it. And these are gonna be the results. I'm a minimalist. Right. This is why, this is how, yep. Yep. this is what the results will be. And so, they saw that I was serious, and I came in with plays. And this is how we're going to do things. Tell me your favorite plays, the most successful plays you've ever had, because we'll incorporate that. You know, yeah. we want to celebrate you, not tolerate you. Right. We had great guys, great competitors. Only two of my guys had ever won championships, and that's Glenn in two thousand nine with the the Celtics, and then a Birdman with the Miami Heat won two championships. So he's the ultimate teammate. And, you know, to have Glenn on your team, you know, we had we had fun. Our team would go out after every game, and we would have dinner together. I don't really know what other teams did, but I knew their kid's name. I knew their wife's name, their girlfriend's, their grandma's name, mom's name. It was important for me to get to know our players on another level. I wanted their children in the locker room. 20 minutes before the game, out. It's our time now. I don't want the wives, don't be calling about tickets, don't be calling that your seats aren't good, right. you figure that out, now we're going to work. Right. But, you know, if, if you lead with love and kindness and acceptance, when I do say, no, don't be calling the locker room, there is a respect that it's time for us to do our job. And to win that championship in New York at Barclays, mm-hmm. you, it, you know, in Brooklyn and it, it was unbelievable, actually. And the confetti, like you see the NBA finals. It was so first class. And Ice Cube to hand that trophy to me. And he, he was like, you know, he just like whispers. He goes, you're no joke. And I said, well, neither are you. Thank you for the opportunity. That's all we need. We, we need a chance. If I fail, fire me. If I do well, it opens the door up for other people.
0: Right, right, right. Amazing. As you're talking about you, 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 how you coach and your players, clearly to, to me, the answer I'm hearing is uh, the relationship component is extremely important, developing, forming, and, and, and maintaining a strong relationship because that helps for, from, a, I guess from a coachability standpoint, if that's a, a good way of saying it, a good term to use, but. Uh, just,
1: just life. Yes. Life. And why, why, you know, why would I not want to know the guys who are running through a wall? For, for me and our team and to let them know that on your best day, I think you're amazing. On your worst day, I think you're amazing. I, I think that really goes far. And, you know, I mean, even guys that played for me in Sacramento, whether it's Willie Collie Stein or Seth Curry or DeMarcus or Rondo or Rudy Gay, I stay in touch. I stay in touch with our guys just to let them know if they've done something good, I just hit them and say, you were remarkable or how's the kids or, it's 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 me that i'm only doing what i know i didn't get this out of coaching for dummies book. i'm just this is how i am with my son right Right. and uh this is how i want to be with people
0: right right what are the the secret you know secret of our success and you know you're in a uh, you know a male dominator Uh what would be the secret Uh to your success if there is a secret or or you know the, the element that's kept you going
1: I think probably, you know, never stop working, wanting or dreaming,
0: Mm. you know, everything
1: is possible. And, uh, you know, Ali gave this to me many, many years ago when we first met, he said, respect everybody, but fear nobody. And I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of of any situation. And I try to keep it simple. Like I said, we can win, we could lose. I can get the job, not, I can be in your podcast, not be in your podcast. I try not to sweat that. I try to use my faith and my belief in God and try and take away all the exterior noise, um, especially for somebody like myself, who, you know, I mean, there are people out there when I first started coaching, oh, you know, she can't coach. I was like, dude, I'll send you my number. Let's talk about basketball. You want to talk? I, I'm, I'm willing. I, I'm an everyday kind of girl. I just live in, an uncommon world because, you know, I, I've got, you know, four decades at my
0: job. Right, right. And as time goes on, the can become small. Like, you know, maybe maybe at one point the cans were really loud, right? And you, you still have to find a way to get past that and ignore that. But as time goes on and you to more to your your life's resume, if Definitely. you will, know, becomes, you know, the, the, those cans become smaller and smaller. You think that's a, a good way of putting it?
1: Uh, I do, you know, I just think respect you know, is given, respect is earned. Um, I don't have a a problem talking to somebody. You don't have to agree with me. I'm more than happy. That's why I, I see people in this world. And it's like, if you don't agree with them, it's war. I was like, I don't have to agree with you. I'm a Yankee fan. There's a lot of people who don't like the Yankees. There you go. You might be a Dodgers fan. Doesn't mean I don't like you. It just means I'm loyal to the NY. You're loyal to the LA. Um, So, you know, I try to wake up every day with a good spirit. I wake, if, if given the chance and my little shades go up and I take a breath of air, it's a good day. And I have a chance to, you know, to talk to people to try to influence them, to yep. cure. And, and more importantly, it doesn't matter if you don't look like me or I don't look like you. Love, love is love is love, right? The greatest religion in the world is love. Just lead with it every day. Your your My smile makes you smile. It didn't cost me anything to be nice. Not, not I don't wake up angry or militant. I'm sorry. If you are, I think it's fantastic. That's not me.
0: Right. Yep, yep. Well, makes total sense. that says, re- really appreciate you know, sitting down and chatting with you. you know, one last question I want to ask before before we go, and um, I, w- I want to go back like I started talking about boldness. I'm just wondering, from your perspective, what would you think is the boldest or most audacious thing you've ever done?
1: The ESPN body issue at 60? <laughs> I was the most uncomfortable six, seven hours of my life. Uh, it was crazy, but I wanted to see if I could do
0: it. How did that come <laughs> to be? Huh? Like they approached you or how was that? Oh, yeah, no, they,
1: they caught, actually about four years ago, my son was at summer league. He was playing with the Milwaukee Bucks and I was at a, I was on the board of the uh, national, the NBA retired players association. And I'm outside of a boardroom and my agent calls me and goes, uh, you know, ESPN would like to feature you in the body issue. And I was like, do they know I'm 60 or I'll be 60? And they're like, yeah. I think Serena Williams was the youngest female. She might've been in her mid thirties. Yeah. And I was like, hold that thought. I'm having dinner with my son after his game. I, I need to talk to my son, you know, he's 23. And The last thing he wants to see is his mother naked in a magazine. Right. So, uh, and, and it's so tasteful, you know, the way they they do it. And I'm sure you've seen it many times. Um." And then, you know, I just told him, I said, you know, if I do this, I need your support. I don't want you to be embarrassed or uncomfortable. It's, it's uncomfortable enough for me, but I think I can, can pull this off. And again, you know, my, my thing was, if you didn't see my face and if you looked at these bodies, who's the 60 year old, that's how, again, right. That dog in me, that competitor in me, I wanted to look better than the other athletes. So that was audacious, bold uh, for me. I I probably will not do that again.
0: (laughs) You can uh, check it off your bucket list if you have it
1: there, man. I didn't have a bucket (laughs) list, but it's off that list.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, look, Nancy, I I really appreciate you you taking your time and providing a few insights and sharing. Uh, It's been fabulous to sort of watch you work. I very much appreciate it. and why we wanted to have you here to chat a little bit. So thank you and, and continued success and all the best. Thank you. I wish you
1: the best and uh, keep keep doing great things on your show.
0: Thanks, that's you. All the Thank you.
1: Tomorrow. Bye. Bye.
0: Back, we are here on the podcast, and I first off going to send my appreciation and thanks to Nancy uh, for stopping by the Audacious Living Podcast, sharing, sharing your story. Uh, great insights, great lessons, and great learnings uh, were definitely taken from that conversation. And actually, sort of when I think about our talk, you know, one of the things that I remember uh, Nancy t- touching on is the fact that she didn't set out to be audacious and do these things. They just kind of happened. You know, when I think about it and I think about, you know, if we're being true to who we are and doing the things that we're meant to, that audacity that we have all inside of, inside of all of us, it naturally comes out. It naturally flows. And that's because it's, it's, it's exists within all of us. It's not unique to certain individuals and others have it or exclusive or anything like that. We all have the ability to be our true audacious selves. And that's one of the main reasons why I started this platform. And why I continue to share ideas and courage uh, on this platform, um, you know, we've got email notifications that are available to podcasts. If you haven't registered for them, you can do so by heading over to bestaudaciouslife.com, bestaudacious, entering your email. And every time new content comes out, uh, you'll be alerted. It's, it's just that simple. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to thank our listeners uh, for your ongoing tremendous support. It's always, always, always appreciated. Uh, You're one of the reasons why we keep keep coming back here each and every week. So thank you. We've reached the end of the episode of another episode. So until next time, stay safe, be kind, show love to one another. And of course, man, be audacious. And listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.